Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Christmas is positively packed with expectations. Christmas expectations for me, holiday baking is a thing I anticipate all year long. I love the traditional recipes handed on to me by relatives long since departed. The memories called to mind by the scent of cinnamon, ginger, and clove. The transformation of heaps of flour and sugar and pecans and butter and fruit and chocolate into little works of art. But Christmas baking, as so many of you know, is a collection of skills learned over time. It takes time to learn how to make caramel without a thermometer or tell if bread is properly risen. We watched the boy's four-year-old stepsister the other day, her name is Claire, and she wanted to help me put sprinkles on cookies, although this caused me great anxiety because I vividly remember the catastrophic mess the four-year-old can make with sprinkles. I also remember being a four-year-old myself, perched on a step stool, helping my grandmother put sprinkles on Christmas cookies. I cannot expect then a four-year-old to have the baking skills, the patience, or the tidiness of someone more than 40 years her elder. <clears throat> you cannot suddenly know how to bake. It takes time. At the same time, while it is true that I adore Christmas baking, it is also true that I place extremely high expectations on myself this time of year. Christmas expectations are, of course, not limited to baking. We have expectations of giving the perfect gift, of receiving the perfect gift, of taking the perfect family photo, of having the perfect family vacation. Anyone who has seen Christmas vacation, though, and really who hasn't, knows full well what happens if we hold too high expectations. While it's funny on screen, it's less funny in real life when freeloading Cousin Eddie comes to town, when a needed Christmas bonus does not show up, 
and when family stress causes you to sneak a cigarette or a sip of whiskey. Expectations abound outside of Christmas as well. My sons now are all learning foreign languages and they suddenly expect to be fluent in German or French or Spanish, but it takes time to learn the structure and the nuance of language, even in our own mother tongue. It takes babies a long time to speak as tiny brains piece sounds together as babbles become words, become phrases, become sentences, become essays, become dissertations. You cannot suddenly learn to speak. It takes time. Expectations behind the wheel of a car. Christian got a school permit and he needs to be reminded to pay attention on slippery roads. I've driven past Liberty High School when school lets out. I advise you not to do that. It's evident that young drivers expect to suddenly have the skills to navigate snowy and icy roads and it's also evident they do not have these skills. You cannot suddenly know how to drive in the winter. It takes time. Expectations regarding healing. Doug had foot surgery on November 20th. He's been doing physical therapy, following his doctor's orders. Even so, we cannot expect healing overnight, right? We cannot expect him to suddenly run a marathon or golf 18 holes as soon as the last cast comes off. Strength and balance will be reacquired over time. Bones do not suddenly mend. It takes time. And all of these things, and in so much more, we know we should not be unrealistic with our expectations of ourselves and others, and yet we so often are. Expectations are tricky things, because either someone or something exceeds our expectations or more likely fail to meet our expectations. You know that feeling when someone says to you, I expected more from you. In this Advent season, we use a lot of expectation language. Jesus is coming, and we are full of expectation as we await his birth. As many mothers know, those last few weeks before birth are full of excitement, yeah, but also fear. I remember those restless weeks before my sons were born, filled with expectations of myself as a mother. What kind of mother would I be? Will my kids love me when they discover I am not perfect? And me having expectations also of my sons. What kind of men will they become and will I love them when I discover they are not perfect? For me personally, I tend to hold myself and others to impossibly high expectations. Expectations that no one can meet. So it is my life's work to hold that in check and learn to find beauty and peace in unmet expectations. Tricky for those of us who are type A. Nonetheless, as Christmas approaches, we wait in expectation of Jesus. What is it exactly then that we are expecting from Jesus? Will Jesus meet our expectations, exceed them, or will he fail to meet them? Do we expect from Jesus sudden healing, immediate power, instant wealth, a swift ally against those who hate me and against those whom I hate. In the face of our often impatient and self-gratifying expectations of Messiah, Isaiah calls to us with beauty, 
calmness and composure. True, Isaiah does say the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless will sing for joy, but he does not say that these things will happen overnight. These things take time. We do not snap our finger and God jumps at our command to heal, to reconcile, to restore. Like learning to bake, like learning to drive in snow, like learning to speak French, like letting a broken bone heal, learning to be in relationship with God takes time. It takes time for a fearful heart to not be fearful, to make room for trust and hope. In this way, Isaiah helps us check our expectations. Sight and hearing and speech and mobility and hope and abundance will happen to you and to others, but in due time, in God's time. If you paid attention to our gospel this morning, you might have found that it's strange that although we are still waiting for Jesus to be born, in today's gospel, Jesus is already born and all grown up, and well into his ministry, and his cousin John has already been imprisoned for offending King Herod. Why then are we hearing about grown-up Jesus today instead of Mary's pregnancy or events leading up to the birth of Christ? This is weird. Well, we hear this gospel today because of the question that John asks from prison, this question. Are you the one we've been expecting, Jesus, or should we wait for someone else? This is our reading for today because it is the absolute perfect time for us to ponder our own expectations of ourselves, of others, of Christmas, and of Jesus. Examples. Next week when my family gets together, can I expect my crabby brother to be anything but crabby? Can I expect my father to suddenly be helpful and wash the dishes and not tell the same stories 50 times? Do I expect my estranged mother to show up at my door with a ham and an apology for leaving us 40 years ago? Do I expect my kids to behave perfectly, show perfect gratitude for the gifts I've carefully chosen, to lavish me with compliments over all the food I have prepared, and to sing carols harmoniously in front of the fire? Do I expect Doug to be perfectly patient at all times, no matter what happens, no matter what I say and do? That one is a big fat yes. <laughs> it's not fair, but oh well. Do I expect all of these people whom I love with all my heart to meet, fulfill, and even exceed my every expectation? If so, I am setting them up for failure. And to go one step further, do I think that I will fulfill everyone else's expectations of me? Or one step even further, do I think I will meet the expectations I have of myself? If so, then I am setting myself up for failure. Does this resonate with you? There are many nodding heads. Will it be okay then if the turkey is dry, if the potatoes are lumpy, if the lights don't twinkle, if the sermon isn't perfect? I remember one year when the boys were toddlers, our Christmas tree fell over, glass ornaments shattered everywhere, 
They cut their feet on them running around and got blood all over my new beige carpet. But Christmas still happened. I remember one year when I was little, I knocked my grandmother's mincemeat pie onto the floor where it landed upside down. And although her glare should have turned me into a pillar of salt, Christmas still happened. I remember one year, me and my brother were wrestling on the stairs on Christmas Eve, and we fell down, and I sprained an arm, and he broke a tooth. Christmas still happened. I remember one year at the Cleveland Ballet, during the intermission of the Nutcracker, my older brother puked all over the lobby floor. <laughs> Christmas still happened. I remember one year deep in the throes of a painful miscarriage, detesting the baby language of Advent and Christmas, and instead of a sermon, I read from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Letters from Prison. Even without a Christmas sermon, Christmas still happened. I suspect you also have your own laundry list of Christmases past, the flub-ups and the foibles and the flaws, some funny, some not. And yet Christmas still happened. While wars rage, Christmas still happens. While tsunamis consume and volcanoes explode, Christmas still happens. While terrorists terrorize, Christmas still happens. While presidents rant and the elections loom, Christmas still happens. While earth warms and glaciers melt, Christmas still happens. While innocents die, and the guilty go free. Christmas still happens. We cannot expect the world to be at peace in order for Christmas to happen. Christ's coming is not dependent upon our expectations. Whatever our expectations are of this season, ourselves or others, Christmas still happens. Christmas is the reality that no matter what we're expecting, Jesus enters into the imperfection of our world. Christmas, then, is not a feeling. It's not a belief in magic, although flying reindeers and talking snowmen are awesome. Christmas is a reality. It's the reality that God loves us so much that he chooses to come to this earth, chooses to become one of us, chooses to be an imperfect little boy, chooses to have his heart broken by imperfect relationships chooses to love his imperfect mother, chooses to cherish his imperfect friends, chooses to embrace the world's most imperfect outcasts and to feed the imperfectly poor and hungry. I've never understood it when people say, you know, it just doesn't feel like Christmas. One time my dad dared to say that in front of my dear friend Paige. And Paige snapped back and said, well, then I assume you have recently served at a soup kitchen or helped in a homeless shelter or participated in a clothing drive, yes? We cannot expect Christmas to always give us warm and fuzzy feelings because Christmas isn't about making us feel good. It's a kingdom reality that God becomes imperfectly human just like us and then becomes a perfect sacrifice to save and heal all of creation if it doesn't feel like Christmas, then maybe we're looking inwards instead of out. Maybe we're not surrounding ourselves with the ones that Jesus surrounded himself with. 
Let us then just for a moment dismiss whatever expectations we might have of this long-expected Jesus whose birth we await. Some with excitement, some with fear, some with skepticism, some with indifference. After all, do I expect this coming Savior to look like me? Do I expect him to talk like me? Do I expect Jesus to love the ones whom I love and hate the ones whom I hate? Have I then created Jesus in my own image instead of the other way around? Let us then dismiss our expectations that Jesus comes to be our own personal Jesus and celebrate the reality that he comes for all. In releasing our expectations of self and others and Jesus, we are free to experience Advent and Christmas for what they really are, which finally have nothing to do with perfect expectations. This baby king born in a barn to an unwed mother and a refugee family. This baby king who isn't at all what anybody expected. We ponder this son of God entering your reality and mine, entering your real world where diagnoses are frightening, where bills are crushing, where hearts are anxious and fearful, entering the prisons in which we all live, prisons like the one John called out from, and freeing us from the chains of expectation that bind us. Christmas is Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man, coming into this world, into your world, full of unending and unconditional love for you, whether you believe in him or not, whether you expect anything of or from him or not, whether or not you give a damn if Jesus expects anything of or from you, Jesus enters into your world and says to you, I am the one you've been expecting. Your waiting is over. We all know what it feels like when we fail to meet someone's expectations. Hear this, you will never fail to meet Jesus' expectations. His expectation of you, his only hope, is that in time, not overnight, one day you might let him love you because you are the reason that Jesus comes at Christmas. Be strong. Do not fear. Take heart. It takes time for God's kingdom to fully unfold, and it is already unfolding right before our very eyes. Amen.